My name is Nobody. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, a show where a handful of weirdos reread every single Animorphs book in order, and I'm joined this week by the most wanted criminal this side of the Endolite homeworld, it's Vivian. I forgot to put a cup underneath my coffee maker this morning. <laughs> That's why I was late to the recording. <laughs> We're also joined by the most elegant screen on Earth, it's Kate. Don't feel bad about it, I've done that lots. <laughs> Uh, okay yeah yeah no the, the, like it was like a dumb moment for me but i was like actually now that i think about it this isn't the first time i've done it even in just like the last year mm-hmm. i no, never same. i somehow never i somehow never done it until i moved to connecticut well, connecticut makes people stupid <laughs> you apparently i guess what's yeah. wrong with connecticut <laughs> okay first i've heard of that i'll admit but sure uh, is that a normal thing? I don't drink coffee, so I don't know how common that is. Sometimes in the morning, if you're in a hurry, you know, you've got the cup, you turn on the coffee maker, you just kind of forget to put the cup under there. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it's just that, like, I mean, it wasn't like I was, like, sleepy or anything. Somehow I was, I got distracted, I think, after I turned it on and didn't put it under there. But, and then turned around and was like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> See. <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Normally we do at least a small bit of banter to start the episode, but we've been bantering <laughs> for like 20 minutes beforehand, so I don't know where to start yeah. here. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the story, it had dolphins. Certainly. It's true, yeah. We had a great big dose of 90s dolphin mysticism this week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and whale mysticism. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. Just imagine, imagining, I was imagining all of this in the style of a Lisa Frank binder cover. That's very appropriate, yes. <laughs> Everything is in neon. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's hard to, like, I don't want to say that dolphins and whales aren't like this because we we don't know we can't know but it really feels like it's that sort of every teen girl loves dolphins and puts them everywhere kind of adoration (laughs) there's something later that happens that i take issue with but i'll mention that when we get to it i will just say dolphins this is coming from someone with a degree in marine biology Mm -hmm. dolphins are overrated (laughs) <laughs> they're they're great don't get me wrong they're fine if you like dolphins they're that's not, fine they're, they're cool but they ain't sharks <laughs> but they're overrated <laughs> and they're not i mean they're not like perfect pure souls they well, they're dicks yeah, sometimes no, just like just like just like and, and i mean that that gets overblown like people say oh dolphins hunt porpoises for sport and it's true they do but humans hunt lots of things for sport like dolphins like yeah. kill and and uh and you know sexually assault their some like younger members of their pods sometimes but humans do monstrous things as well like Mm -hmm. they're smart and with that comes all of the uh like positives and negatives of being a you know relatively thinking animal um they're not pure good they're not pure evil it's just they're (laughs) dolphins dolphins are uh, chaotic neutral (laughs) it's just like people they're they're I'm sure they're varied and complex creatures that have a wide variety of preferences and levels of empathy toward their fellow beings. <laughs> oh, All I'm saying is that there's a reason why the most popular VTuber is a shark and not a dolphin. <laughs> it's because sharks rule. 
sharks get a bad rap. And again, we'll talk about they that do. later. <laughs> like, it's, it's similar to, like, how people think that, like, alligators and crocodiles are just gonna go around murdering all the time. And, like, yeah, they do, just like sharks. But they're also not there doing that intentionally or anything. We will come back to this. <laughs> yeah. Besides, everyone knows a uh, shark is the best Swedish friend you can have. Um... <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why, in order to stick, the coolest paladin is Lien, because she has a shark as her, uh... Oh god, I'm forgetting the 3.5 equivalent of Fine Steed. Um, fuck, what was it called? <laughs> What's the um, paladin ability in 3.5 called that gets you the the horse? It's just a paladin uh, mount. Is, yeah. it, is it really just called paladin mount? I mean, there's an ability that summons it, but the, the, it's not the a mount spell, itself it's a is the paladin ability. mount. Oh, it's, it's, okay, it's just called special mount, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. Weird. They would think it would be like something a little bit more interesting or differently so, named than just special mount. But it's not so because half the time you have to find your own horse. Anyway. Um. <laughs> what did you yeah, call chapter 10? Uh, I had a lot of trouble naming chapter 10, if I'm honest, because it's kind of a lot of nothing. Uh, and what I settled on was... Being on a dolphin is extremely similar to being on uppers, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, we, we cut just dolphins a little bit ahead. Hmm? I just said that these dolphins are high as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're on something for sure. Uh, yeah, we got just a little bit ahead of where we were last chapter, because everybody is morphed now, and we didn't see that happening. And they're just racing along the river and having fun, and there's there's four dolphins here, and Cassie talks a lot about how she's slipping back and forth between the bright barrier that separates the sea and sky. It's very poetic, it's very... Um, honestly, what's happening here is this is the SeaWorld commercial. It, it's just showing us the dolphins <laughs> having fun and breaching and stuff. And... Yeah, she jumps out of the water, she does a cool dolphin breach, like on all the posters, and splashes back in. Everyone is super excited, and then, um, apparently, uh, they just spend 45 minutes playing as dolphins, because they just are not even thinking about trying to get control of their dolphin morphs. It's... I have to ask, is it going to just be in every book that they have, like, a moment where the kid's like, I'm totally the one in control, and then another person's like, no, you fucking aren't. Come on. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like they get they get a lot more cognizant of whether or not they're in control, unless the animal morph specifically has a quality to it that makes it so that they're less able to tell. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, that's my impression from later from later books um yeah because because like i mean i remember like back in the second book when jake was like actually the flea has been just kind of nothing because the flea doesn't have enough of a brain really mm-hmm. just wants to yeah. hang out and drink blood and it's cool <laughs> compared to like all the other ones where they're like ha huh, this creature is either freaked the fuck out super confident or just wants to fuck about <laughs> the only animal that i can think of where they do something like that is um well, animals is with ants and termites, but <laughs> that's like different. That's different than this. There's yeah. there's more to that. Uh, yeah, but we'll get there in the next book. So I will say this does eventually taper off some because it's like you really learn to be introspective about whether something is influencing your mind when you do it every day. Yeah. <laughs> so unless unless the thing 
Like, unless whatever the animal's mind is like completely blanks out your introspection. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which can which can happen with some animals. But yes, for the moment, they're just zooming around. Tobias makes a comment. He says that they're like a bunch of five-year-olds. And I feel like that's probably accurate, but maybe a bunch of ADHD five-year-olds. It's, it's so much. Um, you ever been in a room full of a bunch of five-year-olds? Yes. Whether or not they're ADHD. Whether, okay, whether or not they're ADHD. I don't know. Yes. It's, maybe, maybe it's just that I cannot, like, I'm really not equipped to deal with children at that age. Um, yeah. That I have a, tr- a hard time controlling them. So it might be a me yeah, problem. I, 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 I kind of had that same experience back when I would have to teach the, uh, the, kin- the kindergarten class when I had my job mm-hmm. in Japan. Because, like, we switched out between who was doing the kindergarten, who did the elementary yeah. every week. And uh, for five-year-olds, they have some fucking power to them in terms of, like, <laughs> if they grab you around, like, the leg or waist just because they're, you know, kids and stuff. Yeah. It's like, this, this kid actually kind of weighs a lot. I can't really disentangle myself. They also, if, like, if you do not know their names yet, like, if you're new, mm-hmm. if you're, like, a substitute or whatever... You don't know their names, or you don't have like a good knowledge, a good understanding of how the te- of how like yeah. the, the, the whoever's normally taking care of them handles their their discipline. It is impossible to get them to do anything because they <laughs> yeah. have no interest in, in whatever you a, want. Like, also, a language barrier uh, kind of stops yeah. that too at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like for five year olds, they knew a decent okayish amount of English. Like, it was kind of more just like in some cases just a uh, parrot regurgitating what you told them <laughs> in yeah. some cases mm-hmm. but uh yeah no they it's uh especially just like trying to like because like during uh some part of like trying to get them to like uh talking like speak english it was always like a little like introductory thing that you didn't need to start of just like yeah. what's your name how old are you are you happy kind of deal <laughs> and like we had like a little like pretend microphone for them and it's like sometimes they just have fucking superhuman strength and don't want to let go of the microphone to test somebody else <laughs> it's like okay yeah. now let everybody else have a turn please tobias, tobias has no leverage over yeah. <laughs> any of them and no, no ability to control them burb. because he's a burb yep. and they are he's a burb. they are dolphins it's not That's like you true. can do anything except yell at them to stop <laughs> i just want to say real quick while we're on the topic of children there is a little girl in my building who has on three separate occasions now stopped me and asked whether i'm a boy or a girl and when i explain that it's neither she just goes well why bother you look like a boy <laughs> and it's just yeah. <laughs> Oh, this kid. Manners, please. Yeah. Yeah, Some and like, kids usually, are little shit, usually but... little kids are good with learning that stuff, because they don't have any preconceptions. Really. <laughs> I don't know, I've just started, the last couple times I've talked to her, every time I go, well, if I look like a boy, why did you bother asking? And that shuts her up for a while, because she has to figure yeah. stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I know it would definitely be, like, the worst option possible, but it's like, well, yeah, but also, what? how do you explain these and you just touch your boobs? <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, gonna do that in front of a kid, thanks. No, no, yeah, that's a bad. great way to get put on a list. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so eventually Tobias is able to vaguely point them in the direction of looking for whatever it is they're looking for, which they still don't know, actually. And... Cassie's dolphin brain kind of turns this into, like, maybe we can make it a game, finding the spaceship first, and then all of them are just immediately on board and hyperactive 
just so we're going to find this thing. We're going to find this thing. And then Cassie just kind of echolocates. And it's weird because it's like she doesn't seem to know she's about to echolocate. And yet she asks if they can do the same thing as she can before she does it. <laughs> like she's totally surprised when it happens. So, Despite the fact that they all grab seemingly probably the same dolphin. And therefore it's like, oh, if one of us can do this, the rest of us can do this, right? Because also dolphins. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know what's up with her here, because she starts by asking if they can do it, and then a thing happens that she did not expect, and she actually asks what happens, and then she hears it, and she still doesn't know what's up. So it's like, I, I don't know why have she you, asked. Have these, have these kids not played Echo the Dolphin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she gets Actually, it after wait, a second, on. but she just was not trying to or expecting that. Do we have a set... Uh, do we know exactly what year these first few books takes place in? 1996, I think. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So if that's the case, yeah, it's been four years since Second Adoption release. Kids, get a get a Genesis. <laughs> no one played that game. I did. It sucks. <laughs> I made well, zero progress because that game is fucking obtuse as all. Get out. <laughs> I, I probably mean, actually could properly play it these days because it's like. I mean, I definitely have played like games like Hollow Knight of having to keep a map mostly in your head unless you actually buy the ability to have an actual physical map. <laughs> so it's like, I could probably actually make progress in Echo the Dolphin now, but yeah, who cares? It's Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> the only Echo the Dolphin anybody remembers is the GameCube, not the GameCube, the Dreamcast one where he fights aliens and evil dolphins from the alternate future. <laughs> I don't remember any of them because I never played them, because no one played them. <laughs> Yeah, because no, they were they bad. Didn't. There's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason why I cut the dolphin ain't around anymore. Because <laughs> they were not good. Yeah, uh, Cassie's echolocation comes back, and there's just like a weird shape out there, and sh they don't know what it is, but there's something over there. And this triggers the others to also start echolocating. They're all just clicking at this same location, I guess. And they see this shape, but they don't get it, and they don't get it, and then finally Cassie realizes that oh, it's a shark. And uh, immediately playtime is over. The dolphins have engaged in instant kill mode. Uh, they are so upset. Uh, yeah. And uh, that'll take us into chapter 11, which I will call... Um, hmm. What should I call this? I think we're gonna go with shark murder. <laughs> um... We, we open with Tobias reminding everyone that they are not actually here to fight sharks. That's not their job. But the dolphin morph is too powerful that, that they have to attack the sharks. And Cassie claims that dolphins don't attack sharks unless the sharks attack first. But they're, I don't think that's true in this instance, not in the real world, but in the Animorphs book. Because just the second they find the sharks, they are ready and raring for a fight. I, I, like These yeah. dolphins want to do murder. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, I like how they're like, oh, dolphins don't attack unless sharks attack first, but I guess if it comes to defending somebody, uh, fuck that, I guess. Well, that's we'll their human first. side. Well, yeah, I guess, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, the in the last chapter, they basically notice the sharks and are instantly in attack mode, and I feel like maybe the things Cassie knows aren't lining up with the things she's experiencing, and she doesn't have the time to process that yet <laughs> but yeah um there's actually a few sharks over there and something way 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 bigger which cassie 
comes up with the word a great one. It just sort of pops into her head. She doesn't know what that is. But then she realizes after a second that she's talking about a whale. So apparently being a dolphin gives you a new vocabulary, which is interesting. <laughs> Meanwhile, me being a, a Souls player just was like, is she talking about the big bosses in Bloodborne? <laughs> I feel like this is like some kind of genetically programmed instinctive reverence that is like translated into the way in which she's uh, using her thought speech. And I, I do want to point out, great one is in italics. It is the first yeah. time that Marco will say it in normal, not italics, so... I thought that it stayed base. Like, it was in italics later, too, but I don't know. We'll get to that, I guess. Well, maybe Marco's just disrespectful. Who knows? I'm just now imagining uh, Tobias going, cos, some say cosm, <laughs> because that's the thing everybody knows about the great ones in Bloodborne. <laughs> There's a bunch of them. Everybody mostly thinks about cos because cos fucking sucks. <laughs> Yeah, um, they're they're still lost in the dolphins. Is the thing they're like emotionally very deeply affected by the fact that a great one is being attacked. But I think they're feeling a little bit better as themselves now because when they realize what's going on, Rachel decides that she's just going to go murder some sharks, and everyone else follows her. Um, Tobias. I haven't talked about Tobias a lot. He is flying over them above the water and just. He is being their exhausted parent here. He's so tired. <laughs> he uh, is not surprised in the least that they're going to attack the sharks at this point, because that's just how this day has gone for him. Um, <laughs> uh, apologies, I was thinking the orphan of Coast, not Coast itself, because Coast is actually already and dead by the time you find it. <laughs> obviously the first person to attack them is Rachel. Naturally, yes. No. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Rachel has a bloodlust that will never be sated. She she Leroy Jenkins is pretty hard on this one. <laughs> yeah. Rachel Rachel is me playing any like competitive shooter where I just run in and just spray and pray everywhere and like get killed and my friends are all like, "Why do you do this?" Because <laughs> like, because I have bad spatial awareness in video games that are in a first person perspective. So sue me. Yeah. <laughs> Way better at Splatoon than first person ones. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so there are five sharks here, and they're all bigger than the dolphins, apparently. So Cassie just immediately zooms in. She's, like, laser-guided, and she smashes as hard as she possibly can into one of the shark's gill slits. Uh, she talks about how much it hurts, because the sharks are way tougher than dolphins, and maybe, maybe. But uh, either way, she has just... I mean, dolphins are fast, right? They can hit, like, 30 also, miles an hour, and she just hit this shark in the breathing apparatus at that speed. <laughs> also, we don't know what kind of sharks these are. Uh, she specifically calls the first one a tiger shark. After that, who knows? Okay. This is not something that sharks would do in real life. I think I think I saw a recent case of a great white hunting a like gray whale, something like that, but it was, like, a single great white, and... Um, it basically it like bit, and then it waited for the whale to bleed out, and then it came back for the kill yeah. to, to to drown it. So, um, it's like, and that's like the only time that I I know of that we've seen that kind of behavior. So sharks do not fucking gather in packs and then hunt down whales. This isn't something that happens. It's just it's just like shitty shark paranoia. 
<laughs> sharks sharks just so, won't eat fish. That's it. That's all. So I, I Sometimes did seals. Look, I, I did quickly look this up. Apparently, like, the, like, mm-hmm. normal swim speed of a dolphin is, like, 4 to 6 miles per hour. Their fast cruising speed is between 8 to 10. And, like, their top is, like, closer to 18 miles per hour. That's st- I mean, that's still pretty fast for something in the water and all. <laughs> but it's not, like, it's not, like, 30 or whatever. It's... Like, it still would hurt to get smacked by this thing going that fast. Well, dolphins are also like a very... Shark is you. Dolphins are also, like, several hundred pounds. Oh, yeah. So, they're they're big animals. <laughs> yeah, extremely so. so. like, it would, it, would, it, would, it would still hurt. <laughs> um, like, you're talking about, uh, like a 10, 11 foot long... You know, large mammal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean they are they are still like four hundred pounds, as mm-hmm. they say later on. <laughs> well, yeah. Um so Cassie's kind of had her bell rung by the fact that she just had a car crash with her face. And while she's recovering, she realizes that the whale below them is a humpback, which I guess these sharks mm-hmm. are swarming. I think probably what's happening here is we're doing the Which, 90s. Uh, this is just a shark feeding frenzy. The humpback is bleeding, and so they're all here because they can smell it from a mile away. That, but like you know, uh, like I don't think sharks attack whales. <laughs> now listen, it's knowledge in the 90s when sharks smell blood. All the sharks show up and kill the thing. They can't help it. It's instinct. <laughs> But, but that's the thing, though. I don't think they would have bit this guy to begin with for it to start bleeding. Well, see, they didn't have to. If the if the whale was wounded on its own, then they would have... Yeah, that... Any Anytime you bleed in the ocean in the 90s, sharks just show up and kill you. It's just it's just how it works. Yeah, it's like a spawn zone. The, the shark, sharks can cast teleport at will, but only in the proximity of blood. <laughs> The shark's just, like, sitting around in its home being like, God, I wish something would fucking accidentally cut itself against a rock so I could actually pop in. Fucking hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the others sort of zoom in and they smash into some other sharks. It doesn't work as well as they want. Rachel manages to hit hers. Jake just kind of misses. So he, he zooms way past and now he's got a shark on, her, on his tail. And it's going to describe this a little bit like a... a plain dogfighting kind of maneuver here because suddenly they're they're all just back and forth and zooming around the the quote-unquote sky and the sharks are chasing them and it's a high-speed battle and the water is just full of blood because of the shark that cassie just uh internally injured and uh then the sharks leave they, they just take off uh because the one that uh, cassie had had smashed with her face, swam away, and they're following it because they can't resist the blood rage. <sighs> and yeah, so they, uh, those, those two sharks that left, uh, just go and devour the one that actually all three of them do. It's just that two of them go first and one follows. So all of the sharks leave to go devour the other shark, and, uh, everybody's chill, but except Marco says that he thinks he's kind of hurt, and actually, uh, yeah, so he's definitely in shock because he is unbelievably, absolutely hurt. His body has been bitten in half. 
Well, they, it's not bitten in half. They, he, his tail is like hanging on by a thread, and that's it. Do you know how much of a dolphin is the tail? Because it's a lot. I mean, fa- fair. <laughs> I guess I read it more like the tip of it, where like the fuck, what's the like the the two prong thingy at the base of a dolphin's the tail fin. called? The fins. Yeah, I, I guess I envision it more like that. Of like those are hanging on by a thread, but like the rest of the tail is still there. Um, I don't think that's the case. Because it says that his tail had almost been bitten off and was hanging by a few threads, so I'm pretty sure okay, that's no, not no. just the, the fin slash fluke. I don't. Cue me googling where does the tail on a dolphin begin. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm seeing here is that if a whale is already injured, like significantly injured, then sharks might go after it, but that. You know, it it it's a really rare thing to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like plausible. It's like possible, but pretty implausible. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that'll get us into chapter twelve, which I have titled and, "Remember, y'all, this is a sci-fi book. Chill out." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> okay, are you, is that is that to us? Are you talking to us? <laughs> No, that's just to anybody who might be reading this book and going, that's not how whales work. <laughs> okay. Um, and I, I do want to say, like, last time, Vivian, you mentioned, I think someone mentioned something about Marco, Marco's mom having drowned and wondering if that would play into... Uh, that was me. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Was me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... Uh, oh, yeah, so that's that's happening at the beginning of chapter 12, so yep. we'll we'll get into this. Yeah, that's oh, okay. So, uh, also to correct ourselves, apparently the uh, things that the dolphin sailor are called flukes, not flippers. The flippers yeah. are just the front ones. It's, it's, the fins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're apparently called flukes. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, they're they're kind of a panic right now because Marco is really seriously injured um, on account of having been bitten half, and he's talking a lot. He's crying about. Not crying exactly, but thought speak crying out about how he doesn't want to die as a fish because he he's so he's panicking, but he's also in shock. It kind of goes both ways because he refers to his wound as a major ouchie, but also I don't want to die out here. My mom drowned. I'm going to die just like she did. My dad will never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got good I mean, news they... for you, Marco. You're not going to die as a fish because dolphins aren't fish. <laughs> Also, like, even if he did fully drown, they could probably take his body, right? <laughs> they wouldn't just—he wouldn't just die entirely like his mom to the point where they didn't find. The they body. would take his—they would take a dead dolphin back to the shore. <laughs> like, oh, oh, wait, okay. So that brings up the better—the bigger question: If you die as an animal in the animorphs, do you stay the animal? No, you do—you do not turn back into yep. a human werewolf style. Oh, okay. You just, okay. Yeah, it's just yeah, a that dead requires animal. concentration. So. <laughs> uh, well, if you require concentration, it would drop when you died. No, changing so requires it, concentration. Uh, that the spell itself doesn't. This okay. isn't the D. Stop it! It's not a spell. <laughs> it's not a spell. It's. <laughs> it's just too easy for me to make it. I'm sorry. No, it's not. No, it's not. You Fire really have to stretch just it. now. It doesn't work. <laughs> you have to. You really have to stretch in order to do this. It's not easy. You're trying very hard to make it work. <laughs> but, um, 
But that answers the question, because I didn't actually know that if you die as an animal, yeah. do you stay as an animal? If you, you die as an back. animal, you die in real life, yes. <laughs> well, I didn't see that. <laughs> I just was wondering about the comp- the like situation of do you return to being a person? No, or your, your your corpse does not does not revert. Okay. Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe that would be a little bit of uh, explanation needed to do. Also, they would have to try to haul a four hundred pound animal's corpse out of the water and bring it to Marco's apartment. <laughs> be like, hey, Marco's dead. Uh, we got some bad news. Also, we need to explain a lot of shit. <laughs> also, aren't dolphins still endangered in '96? Like that would be something to explain to the cops. <laughs> Wait, were dolphins extinct at all? Or I, <laughs> were dolphins close to extinction? Uh, I mean, it would depend on the species. Yeah, I, I guess it would depend on I, like the kind of dolphin. Um, there's like, I mean, I think because okay, the reason that I looks, feel that way is because in the '90s there was this huge fervor about dolphins being caught in tuna nets and how we needed safer tuna. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, oh, right, right, right. I, remember, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think they have got to the point where they were. It, it, it mean, seems like apparently there are actually some endangered dolphin species that are like freshwater ones. In yeah, the, do- the, yeah. The river, ri- Amazon river dolphins are endangered. Yangtze river dolphins, I think, recently went extinct. The ba- Baji dolphins went extinct. There's the one in Yangtze in China, um, and then vaquitas are por- technically porpoises. There's like ten of them left, and they're in the uh, the uh, like over in Baja California. Um, yeah. They're getting killed by illegal uh, gill nets. Yeah, yeah, because I, I remember that now that you mentioned the whole like getting trapped in the nets thing. Weirdly enough, from an episode of Seinfeld mm-hmm. when like one of them was like, "I'll have the tuna," and Elaine's like, "No," oh, but and then like the other person's like, "Oh, because the dolphins, all right, I won't have the tuna." <laughs> and then George gets the tuna because George fucking sucks. <laughs> The current the current estimated worldwide population of vaquitas is estimated at ten. Oof. Yeah, it's looking bad for them, and they're just just painfully adorable. So it's very sad. They're only about like four feet long. Yeah. Uh, oh, bottlenose dolphins are doing fine though. Yeah. Bottlenose dolphins, which is what these kids probably are right now. That's usually what they have in like. Sea uh, parks are, I believe, at least concern. That is my understanding. Yes, these, these guys look like yeah. they're like a plushy version of a dolphin. <laughs> it's mostly the face. <laughs> it's so cute. Terciops truncatus, specifically. Yeah, yeah, is at least concern. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Marco is still panicking, and Cassie thinks, or she realizes that the plan here is that he needs to morph back to human. Uh, Rachel actually says that it's a bad idea because he'll just drown, but this is like, we've experienced in the past that morphing repairs damage to you, but this is the first time we've used it as an actual healing mechanism. So they, like are supporting him, floating him, using their backs to push him up, keep him above the water as he very slowly turns back into a human. And um, eventually, yeah, he does it, and he's perfectly fine. He's not injured or bit in half anymore. Uh, yeah, it, it's this seems pretty helpful, but also horrifically traumatic. So, 
<laughs> yeah, like I mean, even if it, the damage is repaired, you still have to spend like two to three minutes of being like, I might die. Oh fuck, I might die, and it's like you really can't focus as much on that of like trying to do anything besides being concerned about that. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I imagine you don't want to pass out mid morph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, also that <laughs> in uh, the middle of the ocean. <laughs> and once he's human again. Cassie specifically mentions that Marco climbs up on her and wraps his arm around her. So I think she's doing the, the, the dolphin rider thing. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah. It's the dream of every child in the 90s, and all you have to do is be horrifically wounded first. Um, <laughs> but then the whale shows up, and the whale just kind of pops out of the water, and instantly Cassie is gone. Uh, I guess bad luck choosing who you were gonna ride on, Marco. Uh, <laughs> because she describes it as her human mind and dolphin mind both opening up like a flower to the sun. And the whale just talks to her in an incredible un... It, like, there's no words, but it's still language. It, it's like language expressed through emotion and images rather than speech. And, uh, yeah, the whale just sort of, uh, starts talking to Cassie. <laughs> um, she has enough cognitive awareness to tell the others that she's doing okay and she's not just passing out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even Tobias lands on the whale, which he's chill with, I guess, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cassie doesn't explain anything of, like, don't worry about that hawk, uh, he's, he's with us. <laughs> If I was in the middle of the ocean as a human being, and the whale very gently rose up underneath me, and I ended up on top of the whale, I would probably not get off of it. I would be very scared and confused, but I would probably (laughs) stay where I was. I think I agree, yes. (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, nothing can reach you up there as long as the whale stays near the, the, uh, what's it called? Um... Fucking, what am I thinking of with the fucking water? The level? level that, no, the level that lets you not be in the water. <laughs> Waterline? Waterline. There we go, yeah. It's like, you're, you're okay up there and nothing's gonna get you, necessarily. <laughs> it's not like the whale can, like, reach over and bite you or anything, because it's a whale. They don't think yeah, that Yeah, and it says Marco is sitting nervously, which sounds about right. That sounds like what I would do, is sit nervously. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just imagining him like uh, sitting like crisscross applesauce a little bit, just being like, "Okay, what's going on? <laughs> not, Everybody, yeah. please." <laughs> I'm not super sure of the mechanics of how that works because Marco was hanging onto Cassie's back, and then the whale comes up below Marco, but not Cassie. So, you know, don't worry about it. I don't know. It. <laughs> don't think about it too hard. Yeah. Um, also, I guess not think about it too hard of how deep they were when he started to transform back, because if uh, if they were too deep in, the water pressure would also just kill him. I don't think they were deep at all. I think they were toward the surface. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're dolphins. They probably stay pretty close. Yeah, dolphins don't dive down too deep. Dolphins, I don't think, can go overly deep. No, so... I think I saw that too when I looked it up uh, with like yeah. the how fast they swim where it's like they basically only like dive down for like two minutes at a time before they need to resurface uh, which brings up uh questions for later on in one of my dolphins can hold their breath for longer than that but let's see yeah but um so the whale basically just okay up to 20 minutes (laughs) 
Yeah, the whale just tells Cassie his life story. Um, he, he talks about how he's 80 years old, and he talks about all the cool lady whales that he's banged, and... <laughs> Let me tell you my backstory, child. <laughs> I'm not joking, that is in the book. Um, no, it, it, it is literally, yeah, he, there is literally conversation about him being, talking about the mothers, and it's like, oh, it's, yeah. it's, all, the, it's all the lady whales he's fucked. <laughs> yeah, he, he talks about having dealt with, like, uh, whalers back in the day yep. when there were still a lot of whalers around. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, he te- a lot of what he's talking about is remembering how things used to be and how there are many less whales now and what a tragedy that is. Oh no, we probably better save them, don't you think, guys? Uh- <laughs> yeah, and then and then it turns out that uh, that they're actually sentient, and then the Star Trek, like the Enterprise crew, comes back and they get the last humpback whale. Uh, and bring it to the future to prevent us from being, uh, you know, murdered by aliens. That, yeah, <laughs> the best that uh, Star Trek Four is the best is the best Star Trek movie. And I agree. You can fight me on that. <laughs> Star Trek Four is the one in which Spock just takes out a dude on the bus for having his radio too loud. So yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a really good joke in, in Picard season two that references that, um, <laughs> because the same thing happens when I think Seven of Nine and I forget who else are on the. Uh, are on the bus and they just like tell the guy shut up and instead of like refusing like he does in star trek 4 he's just like oh okay (laughs) sheepishly stops it's great Uh, um, uh, so you're saying spock is the kind of person who would absolutely just shoot the person with a phaser because they have their phone on speaker these no he well yeah in in star trek in, in in Star Trek Four, I think he nerve pitches the guy and he goes unconscious, yeah. and then everyone, oh, okay. everyone on the bus, everyone on the bus claps because they're really glad that guy is unconscious. <laughs> uh, okay, now. yeah, okay. So I'm thinking entirely of the. Uh, oh God, I don't remember the full context, but it's an episode of Rocco's Modern Life where he's on a plane and like this kid that just keeps running up and down the aisles until eventually Rocco grabs him and shoves him in the overhead compartment. And everybody cheers. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there, there. He's like, he's he's doing the whole like hiding my ears because we're in the past thing, yeah. and I don't want to like be an uh, alien in yeah. front of the, a bunch of these humans. But he does like, I think he does nerve pinch the guy. Right? He absolutely does nerve so pinch that's... the guy. Yes, <laughs> and put, everyone sees hood... it, and everyone is very happy about it. So he, he puts he puts his hood up. He wears a pair of gloves, even though he's missing a digit, and he's like, "Hello, fellow humans." <laughs> humans back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he can't phaser the guy, because that would break Prime Directive, but he can nerf pinch him for sure. <laughs> it break also several time travel directives that are probably, arguably, more important, <laughs> even than the Prime Directive. What time travel story doesn't break all the whole don't do this shit in the past kind of stuff? Well, yeah, but Starfleet has specific rules about that, because time travel happens so often it's important. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, it's like one of those things that we think of with like the Back to the Future movies, where even Doc Brown at a certain point is just like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to read that note that says how I died so I didn't die. <laughs> There's also a future version of Star Tre- Starfleet full of time cops that have even more rules, and if you violate them, they'll come back in time and stop you. So... <laughs> Fen, I, I like how like even like Chrono Trigger, they don't even like actually broach that topic of all of like we shouldn't change the past. They're always like, yeah, fuck it, let's change everything. 
It's like at least like the whole point is to at least try to stop Lavos a thousand years in the future. But like they're even just going to the past, being like, "Hey, you made this sword like uh, back in like twelve thousand BC, my guy. Can you fix it nowadays?" And he was like, "How the fuck do you have this?" <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, don't worry about it." Also, here's our robot, but don't worry about him either. <laughs> my ba- bootstrap paradoxes are my favorite time travel <laughs> paradox. Uh, yeah, like there's there's a, there's a lot of stuff like that in Chrono Trigger too. Of just like, oh, okay, yeah. this is actually how this happened because it's like you learn a lot of stuff about like Magus in general, and it's like, oh, okay, we kind of fucked that when, up too. Huh? <laughs> I love it when stuff comes from itself. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. there's a there's a short story called All You Zombies, which is really good. Oh yeah, it's about a yeah. guy. It's about a guy who is his own mother, father, grandmother, and grandfather. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's just a lot of stuff in Chrono Trigger that would actually fully be a paradox if you actually didn't if you think about it too hard. It's like it gets spoilers for that old game, the fact that like Magus tries to stop the party in order to try to fight Lavos, but that gets his past self sent back to the Middle Ages. So it's like, well, if you had succeeded, you would not exist, my guy, because you wouldn't have actually been sent back to the Middle Ages to instead be sent back to the antiquity to try to do this. If I am remembering correctly. Wasn't the twist of all you zombies that that guy was every person ever? <laughs> no, like the twist is that no, he's just like his own. Like his lineage is is just he's born from himself because of time travel shit, and because uh he changed sexes at one point. Um, like he's able to give birth to himself. And it's not that he's everyone, it's that he's the only one, like, the twist of all you zombies is, like, I know where I come from, I don't know where all you zombies come from. So, uh. like, he's completely inexplicable because he's just a result of his own actions. Like, he brought himself into existence. Must be and he has that sole else, distinction of, of being the only one with an actually identifiable, like, clear-cut origin everyone else has like complicated causality shit but like he's com- a completely independent agent <laughs> okay i must be thinking of something else then i did a sci-fi class a few years back and there was mm-hmm. definitely a story where through time travel the protagonist ended up being every human who ever existed <laughs> um that sounds kind of like the egg but that's more of like a every person is just the same soul being reincarnated over and over yeah um, you sure you're not just thinking of Futurama, how Fry became his own grandfather? Yeah, that's pretty different from what I described, actually. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's actually less like what what Patch described than All You Zombies is. Yeah, I guess. Also, that's not how genetics works at all. <laughs> There's no possible way that a person would be able to go back in time and father a child who then fathers themselves, who is exactly the same. <laughs> Again, don't think about the science in Futurama, I guess. I've- I it's 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 Futurama. It it only yeah. makes sense when it wants to. Exactly. Um, we should keep uh, going with the book that we're reading. Yeah, because we're about to get <laughs> into the really weird stuff. <laughs> um, yep. Well, the really weird stuff. We're already having a talking whale telling we're us already, about the yeah, ways it's been. Yeah, we're having a conversation with a whale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but that's chapter twelve then, um, right? No, not not yet, not quite. Uh, so Cassie is still talking to this whale, and the whale is confused. Basically, he's really weird and confused because he's never seen a dolphin turn into a human before. But he uses the word little one for the dolphins. So even though whales don't speak and have 
actual word language. Uh, I guess he somehow manages to convey that. I figure this is like the what what Cassie's human like rational language speaking human brain is. That's how how she's like processing yeah, like this, she, you know. Yeah, she's interpreting. Like, it as if such. you're going to put it into words, the sentiment the whale is expressing seems to be closest to <laughs> little ones. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it's also it's also like it's not thought speech. What's no, happening? No, no, and not it's, at all. Yeah. It's it's being like conveyed through italics, not the normal like carrots that thought speech is conveyed through. It's also like. Wait, hmm? sorry, sorry. Are those what those are called? The little, like, bracket things that they have around the thought speech? Yeah, they're called that, carrots. They're called carrots? Yep. Huh. Yep. I didn't actually know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not thought speech. It's something completely different. It, it, I, I, it, part of it has to do with, like, I think the, the whale song, but most of that, I don't know, uh, it's weird. It's not really clear exactly what the mechanism of this communication is. Well, Cassie does describe it. Um, about mm-hmm. half a page into the conversation, after they've already been talking for a while, she says uh-huh. that he spoke only in feelings, a sort of poetry of emotion without words. Part of it was mm-hmm. song, and part of it I could only sense in the same way I could sense echolocation. So, mm. so it's like... yeah mostly sound still she she says later where is it i asked him in a language of squeaks and clicks and mind to mind feeling yeah so it's like uh there might be like some light telepathy here but i don't think that's the majority of what's happening it really the way she describes only being able to sense some of his meaning through the echolocation sense it kind of makes me think of uh infra infratones that the really just like infra- super yeah. low yeah 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 um but yes uh so anyway he shows her a picture in her mind of a broad grassy plain with trees and a small stream all underwater and uh there's an andalite running around in that field so she asks where it is uh the whale tells her and then she wakes up which is to say that she's been like hypnotized this whole time (laughs) (laughs) and uh jake uh he tacitly admits that he was a little freaked out because she was just kind of sitting there not saying anything, but they just didn't do anything. It was like ten minutes that she was unconscious. <laughs> it seemed like the whale it's like it seemed like the whale didn't want us to interfere. That's fair. Like you probably would not be able to stop the whale from doing what it wanted. But also Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not like the whale was moving in a hostile way. It's just like, they seem to be vibing. Maybe we should let them vibe. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Um, so Tobias reports that they've only got 25 minutes left in their morphs, so they uh, start uh, heading out. Uh, Marco morphs back to Dolphin again, because they're, you know, chilling. But when they're leaving, uh, Cassie hears the whale singing, and Jake is... He's curious why the whale wasn't singing when they were there. And then Cassie just gets to do this mysterious guardian of nature thing where she has a knowing smile because she understands things about the world that no one else does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know this sort of. Um, and she explains that uh, he doesn't sing for the little ones. Uh, he's just trying to find another lady. So <laughs> he's, he's trying to get some action. Yeah. Yes, indeed. He's, he's trying to He's trying to get laid. Yep. 
Uh, that's the end of my chapter. <laughs> Marco, no horny. Uh, and Mar- Marco, Marco's like, I, I, I do want to say, Marco's like, I wonder if the big old guy even realizes he helped save my life, and then Cassie all but calls him an idiot. Yes. <laughs> he realizes things you and I will never be able to guess. Uh, you fucking dick. <laughs> Yeah, we talk a lot about how Marco is too horny for this episode, for this series, but like the whale definitely did just tell Cassie about all his conquests. <laughs> yeah, and is obviously like trying to get trying to get laid again. Uh huh. But you know, I mean, honestly, if you're a whale, all you do is pretty much just kind of swim around and eat stuff, and yeah. then like mating season must be. Just a real highlight of the year, because <laughs> I imagine it's a pretty monotonous life. Hey, we should probably keep going, right? Yeah. Yeah. Three well, this is this is your this is this is your chapter. Yep. Uh, chapter thirteen, which I called "Social Link Rank Up," <laughs> as Cassie visit Marco at his apartment the next day to see if he's all right. And while he's a little bit hesitant to chat since he just wants to spend the day with his dad, clearly because of his the fact that he almost died the previous day, it's shaking him up a little. <laughs> we I don't know if we can call an episode whale sex. <laughs> we sh- it's fine. We've gotten away with worse. <laughs> I guess. And also, I guess it is just on the Patreon, so it's not even like being posted to like Apple or anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, but yeah, in any case, he does agree to step outside to talk for a bit, because, yeah, he decided that that's probably worthwhile. Uh, Cassie's still feeling regret over what happened, <laughs> it was her idea, and basically just kind of admits that she's alright with them all being thrust into danger, because it's never been her decision up till now. <laughs> that's how I interpret it. She's always, she, she basically is like, yeah, but there was always somebody else's decision up until now for these missions, even though <laughs> we could kind of die during them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Marco assures her that uh, none of them want to die at all, no matter who is calling the shots, which, fair. <laughs> but he overall just seems pretty chill for it all, because he just says, like, yeah, death just happens sometimes. <laughs> just kind of, shit happens, I guess. Uh, but I thought Cassie yeah. agrees, and she's seen plenty of animals die at the Wildlife Center, whose that full name I'm, is escaping me at the moment. We don't know the full name. Uh, I think just it's, like, gardens. Wildlife Rehabilitation. No, not the gardens. No, she's uh... she's She's talking about oh, like, her just, how her. Yeah, it's just the wildlife more, rehabilitation clinic. Yeah, like she's Cassie's talking about like, what her dad does. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because she's basically saying that, like, yeah, I've seen that happen a lot, but usually it's my dad that has to call the shots because sometimes euthanasia is the only option, not mine. Uh, but Marco stresses once again that it was his choice to accompany them, and that, yeah, he's terrified of fighting the Yurks and also leaving them alone to run rampant all over Earth, along with possibly ending up like Tobias, or just being killed by Vista 3. <laughs> but he does have a, mo- a moment of emotional vulnerability, saying that he sees Alfanger's death in the Yurk pool every day, but <laughs> this also comes up later, but he also finds it a bit amusing that on top of everything, they're now fighting sharks, and wouldn't it also be kind of funny weird if he just dies to a shark instead of any of the aliens? <laughs> That's yeah. Piling. Giant, like, all <laughs> sharp in all directions, the other aliens. Marco is uh, so deep in repression here, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just shrugging this off like it never happened, this poor kid. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, this was literally a day ago, my guy. You can take a moment to be like, yeah, that's fucked up. 
But yeah, but he also mentions that they're short on time with finding the Andalite ship because he saw two news reports in the paper of a diver looking for a lost treasure ship off the coast and also a marine biologist wanting to do underwater research. So they both were like, yeah, that's the Yorks. They're, they're ramping up their search. <laughs> Uh, Marco also reassures her that he is in on saving an Andalite after what Ofanger did for them, and that even if Cassie hesitates and chooses to do nothing, that is still a decision in itself. But also, please don't spread him being insightful and smart because it destroys his tough guy facade. Yeah, we get it, Marco. You listen to Rush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely is more. It is really just reading like a lot of like, yeah, this is like the social link stuff in Persona where you go hang out with a person and be like, oh, okay, you actually are a bit insightful despite acting like a dummy in all the story cutscenes. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, you can tell that the York invasion is bad because they got a teenager to read the newspaper. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, it's like, maybe spread that out a little bit more, or just be like, oh, there's just a marine study, and not do multiple different things happening in the same ocean at the same time. <laughs> like, you can just be like, oh, there's a big marine study going on, so there's multiple ships. You don't have to give two different cover stories of like, oh, this, also, this other guy also wants to find a pirate ship, I guess. <laughs> I just shank off the coast. A lot of people are just in this one area of the ocean, apparently. Yeah, but if you don't have anything else, I'll just continue the chapter 14, which I called an early death flag, because I feel like in a lot of stories this would be just Jake gets got right after he says this. <laughs> uh, it cuts to a few hours later at Rachel's house, so I guess Marco decided not to spend a day with his dad for some reason, uh, where they all just confirm what, that they know where to find the Endolite, because a whale told them after being saved by teenagers who had turned into dolphins. And they all actually kind of look at the camera here at this point and laugh at the absurdity of this bullshit situation <laughs> that is their lives. But then Jake has to remind them that the maps of the location, which I don't know how they're able to triangulate based on the picture, like the mental pictures the whale gave of where they should be on a map, especially a map in the 90s. But yeah, they, they basically like, oh, they figure out that it's too far in the ocean past their two hour limit, so they wouldn't be able to get there on time. But Rachel, being Rachel, has the idea of, why don't we just turn the seagulls, hitch a ride on a ship, and then just jump off the side and turn the dolphins that way? Because <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> just... <laughs> I feel like at this point, Rachel probably shouldn't actually be allowed to give ideas, because usually her ideas are bad. <laughs> I don't know. This is probably fine. Seagulls land yeah, on ships I mean... all the time. Yeah, but they immediately actually also think that their idea is bullshit <laughs> next chapter. <laughs> Listen, it wasn't Rachel's idea to turn into a fish and swim up the giant tube, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Fair. That was... Was that technically... Well, that was Jake's, right? Yeah, that was Jake. <laughs> yeah, even though that was the Tobias book. <laughs> So again, to be fair, Tobias actually being the sole voice of reason, being like, maybe this is a bad idea, everybody. <laughs> Uh, I'm really yeah, enjoying yeah. this portrait we get of Tobias is just exhausted constantly by these kids <laughs> that he has to walk over. This, yeah. this, this image of this hawk just having like this like five o'clock shadow and just bangs over under his eyes somehow, just being like, God, <laughs> these people like fucking hang out with <laughs> hawk with a cigarette, and gray hair. <laughs> Tob little Tobias wearing a little trench coat made for a bird, just being like, God damn it. <laughs> He's the only one actually looking at like the wall of like crazy or whatever of like the, thread, the red string while everybody else is just doing their bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. In any case, yeah, that's their plan. They'll, they'll do that and turn the dolphins and swim the remainder. No, no, brought up of like how are we gonna get back? It's like yeah, don't worry about that. I guess. 
they really bank on being able to find this place, I guess, in like a few dives and uh, be able to not have to swim back on their own, I guess. In any case, despite his concerns, Marco actually votes yes before anybody else because he intentionally wants to beat Rachel to the punch for once <laughs> and say yes. <laughs> and basically everybody else is in agreement to do so, but Tobias is still hesitant on getting a vote since he just doesn't get to do much anything in this <laughs> book, really, because he's like, I can't do anything in the water, I'm a bird. <laughs> but he, he still believes that they should do it because he still believes the dreams are real. But even if he didn't vote or abstain, he'd still be upvoted because democracy. Because everybody else is in anyway. And they decide to do it tomorrow because the longer they take, the better the chance the Yorks will find the ship first. And on their walk home, Cassie asks Jake to remind Tobias that he's helped them a lot before to assure him that he's not being left out, which is true. <laughs> Tobias does everything for these kids. <laughs> he's the one and only person actually with a, with a brain on his shoulder, a, a head on his shoulders. I was, not a brain on his shoulders. He's the only one Just who a wears brain. a watch, okay? <laughs> yeah, he's the only one that actually bothers to pay attention to the time limit. Because he fucked well, up the time not, of it once. <laughs> it's not like it's very easy for a dolphin to wear a watch. It's not like it's easy <laughs> yeah. for, which, for a for, hawk to wear a watch, but... Which I just only remembered because in the next chapter he leaves them the watch, but I guess they just leave the watch on the boat. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they're not able to take it with them, so I guess uh, rip the one watch. <laughs> they need to replace a watch. I mean, they've had to replace so many pairs of clothing and shoes at this point, so I guess money's not an option to most of these kids except Marco. <laughs> Digital watches were a dime a dozen in the 90s. It's fine. <laughs> I guess they actually weren't that expensive, yeah. No, they like, really they were, weren't. like, what, 30 bucks? Not yeah. even. Not even. He could get one for 12 at Walmart. Yeah, yeah, the kind that lasts, like, only, like, a half a year or something. <laughs> Which, in their case, they're just buying them in bulk because they're like, we keep losing these anyway, whatever. <laughs> they just well, they all walk around in flip-flops all the time. Yeah. They won't, they won't need it for much longer. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, like, didn't, didn't you mention at one point that, like, Axe knows how they keep track of time or something? It's just an Andalite thing. Oh, yeah, okay. Andalites can just do that. Yeah. In any case, uh, they also talk about the situation being dangerous a little bit, and Cassie almost admits to something, but instead just asks Jake to never get hurt ever, which, of course, Jake at that point has idiot protagonist energy and immediately tempts fate by saying he's indestructible. So if he's not assuredly fully doomed at some point in the story, he will absolutely have PTSD and survivor's guilt one day because, yeah, no, <laughs> you don't you don't ever say you're indestructible in the series that you keep having to think about the fact that you could easily die in a given moment. Man, you just saw Marco's tail bit off yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, also that. <laughs> that and again, like as Marco lampshaded, that's not even an alien monster or brain slug. That's just a shark. <laughs> I can't wait for book six. Huh. It's going to be so <laughs> fun. I, I think I still have an inkling on what that happens is based on the name of that book. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen the name and I'm like, hmm, I think I know that it would be a Jake book. And I think I know <laughs> it might indicate what that is going to happen. And maybe Jake will actually be like, oh, maybe I'm not indestructible. <laughs> we'll get there in like a month, I guess. <laughs> actually, exactly a month. Because, yeah, if the, if the next book only takes like three weeks to get through too. Mm -hmm. uh but yeah this brings us to chapter 15 which i've decided to call mine as after the seagulls from finding nemo <laughs> mm -hmm. for anybody that remembers how the seagull sounds uh it takes place the next day after they've already turned into seagulls and they all just get entirely distracted with anything and everything that could be anywhere close to food because seagulls are assholes <laughs> 
Uh, they eventually get it together after having like a full like page that's talked about food, roughly. And they finally end up finding a ship heading in the direction of the other ship, which I'll just skip ahead a little bit because Tobias later says that he actually was able to see the captain's logs indicating the ship is headed for Singapore. Which again, good job triangulating where you live, kids. <laughs> Stop giving all this information that would easily point to where you live if you're... Because that, that's, that's very obviously West Coast because a ship heading yeah out from the ship wouldn't like, be departing from new york to go to singapore <laughs> yeah that's definitely the the pacific ocean then <laughs> uh-huh it's like they've already like said they're... oh yeah we live in a city with the gardens and also we can live on we live obviously on the west coast so it's like well that they're... drastically narrows down where you they're live. very they're very clearly in southern california yeah. although i will say that um the gardens are actually based on bush gardens because uh jake uh, bb mm-hmm. uh, so jk rowling not jk <laughs> <laughs> k applegate uh um it's it's the it's the initials it's the the two initials at the beginning um k applegate started writing it in florida and then she moved to california so it's kind of like a combination of the two places that she lived while writing the the books uh, but gotcha. it is it is it is in california like that's yeah like it's, that's it's the state where like even, even yeah. back in book one i was like wait so based on the fact that they say the gardens which is clearly bush gardens they're either in florida or california right <laughs> well, and y'all were like yeah the, the latter yeah i mean we talked a lot about that at the time because bush gardens would have closed by this point but i guess in this version of reality it's open still so <laughs> any case uh yeah uh, they eventually go and land at, uh, near some shipping containers at the front of the ship to be out of view of the bridge. And they unmorph and just have to hunker down against the cold of the sea because they still only can actually morph their, like, leotards and stuff like that. They don't actually have any actual clothes still, nor shoes. You say still as if that's ever going to change. I kind of would expect maybe because they like they landed <laughs> like when winter comes along we're gonna it's gonna fucking suck and it's like do they never actually figure it out? <laughs> Kid, you live in California, you'll be fine. <laughs> Which makes me just remember that like the very first couple chapters when Cassie's dad saw her with the squirrel tail still when it's like why is he not questioning the fact that his kid is out there in like spandex or whatever in no, the dark they... in the middle of the night? <laughs> to my recollection. That it that never changes. They they'll have okay. to keep wearing skin tight stuff. Yeah, the shoes thing is never not going to be an issue. I will like mild spoilers, I guess. But yeah, this is this is going to be a going situation. Okay, is it different in the TV show? Just because it would be weird to keep showing. Kids I have to assume. Like, yeah, I don't <laughs> I remember. It's probably different in that because it's like probably be strange to show these kids in skin tight outfits all the time. <laughs> Like, I don't yeah. remember very much about the TV show, I'll admit that, but from what I recall, they were just always in, like, jeans and black leather jackets, so that's not... <laughs> mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's how they blend into the background when it's already dark, so they don't have to actually have any, like, design to any of their stuff. <laughs> it's also, I mean, there. it's also super low lit at all times during the TV show, so... Yeah, so I guess you wouldn't be able to see anyway. <laughs> I don't think they keep like the morphing outfit restriction, the clothes restriction in the TV show. I'm I don't pretty think sure they, they don't. Do. No. 
yeah it's it's even just like such a weird thing to put in like it makes sense in a way that it's like yeah if you turn into like a mouse obviously either you're just gonna fall with your clothes around you but it's also like you could have just easily run it to like you just can morph clothes because it's just a decency thing well yeah because <laughs> it just seems like, like it makes problems as it is that's the point though it has to make problems if they could just turn into animals whenever with their clothes and all, then that makes it too easy. They need to work around but they issues. Already, but they already have an overall problem with the time limit. That's, I feel like that's even just enough on its own. No, it's not. This is a 54-book series plus the specials. <laughs> you need problems. Yeah, and they create their own problems so often. I mean, yes, that is fair. Because, <laughs> again, they're teenagers. They're bad at making plans. Which is still impressive that this is actually probably one of their better plans so far, because they actually think about the logistics of, we need to be closer to the middle of the ocean for this, I guess. <laughs> or at least close enough, because <laughs> we can't actually get there on time. Uh, yeah, in any case, uh, they basically guess that they need to spend about an hour on the ship, since apparently Tobias knows the ship is going at roughly 18 miles per hour, which A, is not how you measure a ship at all, because you measure knots, not miles per hour, <laughs> but B, it's because he also apparently is able to fly close enough to cars to read their speedometers to and then figure out how fast he is able to fly in relation to the car, and then is able to figure out based on his flight speed how fast this ship is moving. Well, remember, Tobias can read from, like, three blocks away at least, so he doesn't I have to get that close to the car. I, th I think he specifies here that he's actually, like, flies close to them to see, though. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, you wouldn't, like, even if you can see from a far distance, like, you still need to be, like, have an angle to see this phenomenon in a car, which I interpret as him flying near the frickin' windshield <laughs> or the side window to be able to look in. Yeah, I just don't think like unless that that's unless true. it's like a convert unless he's looking at a convertible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, convertibles, sunroofs. It's California in the nineties. <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's still just like a really fucking weird situation where he's like, actually, this ship is going eighteen miles an hour. I know this because I can figure out my own speed based on how fast cars move because I can see their speedometers well, because it, I have good yeah. eyesight. <laughs> Admittedly, you would have to. Like, 18 miles an hour is very specific, right? He would have to practice this a lot yeah. to know exactly how fast I he's mean, going. To be, to be fair, Tobias has a lot of time on his hands because he doesn't have to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> or go home. I do want to say, uh, before we move on, we kind of skipped over it, but there were two thermalses when they were seagulls, so double ding. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's... Yeah, I was about to bring up thermals again, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, at this he has to like turn back around to go back to the mainland because he's not able to fly that far without resting because his beloved thermals ain't above the ocean. Yeah, but the book doesn't say that here. It said it like a page yeah, and a half but... ago. <laughs> yeah, okay, that that's that's my addition there, but it's also the reason why. I'm not cause... gonna ding it when you say it. <laughs> True. I mean, but that is the reason because he doesn't have thermals above the ocean. <laughs> Mm -hmm. but yeah, but he heads out and he leaves them the watch, which again, ripped at his watch because it just stays here, I guess. <laughs> and after about an hour, they go to jump ship, but as Marco apparently has never learned how to swim, which makes sense because probably childhood drama, he just never learned, uh, Jake tells uh, him to morph up here. Yep. I mean, his mom just died, like, I think it was last year, so I don't know. I think I think they said two years ago. Even still, two years ago. That would put him yeah, at 10 years been, old. He would have been 10. Like, yeah, because, like, you really start to learn how to swim, like, around, like, 8 on average, right? Uh, I mean, speak for yourself. I learned to swim starting at 6. 
I, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess actually six is probably closer. There are the time, literally teach your toddler to swim classes. <laughs> I think okay, the age I, I never that, that I think the age that you learn to swim is very much dependent on the age that you learn to swim, which can vary yeah. for a lot of people. Like, yeah, because like just, I think I was, I think it was some probably never closer learn. to Yeah, I think I was closer like around six when I started learning that because I specifically remembered there was one point that I thought like, oh, I'm okay, I it's a swim. I only my Donald Duck floaty and then immediately sank to the bottom and that to be <laughs> saved. Because yeah, tr- uh, like another like childhood drama thing for me from when I was like five. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Obviously didn't drown, but not a fun experience. But yeah, I think it was around like six or seven is when I could actually swim by myself because we had our. Because, like, we had a pool in our backyard, so we actually had that option easily. Um, but yeah, when you're a kid, you obviously don't want to just let them swim by themselves. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the lessons from Horizon Swimming Center, and they offer swimming lessons for as young as babies three months old, as long as they've had their vaccinations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that's really going to accomplish much besides letting your baby be in like a body of water, because I don't think they're going to really learn much. Babies can't walk at that point. They can barely crawl at like three months, <laughs> right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's 30 minute lessons. And apparently babies can work their way through three swimming levels, so... <laughs> okay, at six months old, babies will rock back and forth on hands and knees. This is a building block to crawling. By nine months old, babies typically creep and crawl. <laughs> I don't know how they expect the baby to start learning how to swim at three months old. <laughs> uh, Three-month-old baby class is water confidence. And then... I guess it's really just, yeah, getting them used to a body of water, because yeah. that's not mm-hmm. what they would typically deal with unless they're just getting yeah. a bath, necessarily. But still. Anyway, the point is, it's very plausible that Marco <laughs> could have learned to swim before his mom drowned. He's just lazy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, he also, I mean, I guess, well, they did say that, like, his dad basically, like, moved him into an apartment after his mom passed away because he just couldn't afford their house anymore, right? Uh, yeah, Marco's mom yeah. was a very high-paid, uh, I'm not gonna say what her actual job was, but she was a fancy rich person, and without her, Marco's dad couldn't afford the house anymore. Is, is Mar- there a Marco's spoiler? dad was, like, uh, a physicist, but he wasn't, he was also very highly paid, but he couldn't, like maintain a job as depressed yeah. as he was after her death so he yeah is is marco's mom's profession a spoiler for like another book or something uh, kind of a little bit it's it's not a major spoiler but yes okay okay yeah yeah so i guess maybe it's just like well i mean not everybody obviously had a pool in their backyard so like marco probably just never had the chance to learn and then she passed away and he was like fuck that <laughs> not dealing with that <laughs> yeah in any case, uh, like I was saying, like they go to jump ship, but again, Marco cannot swim, so Jake tells him to morph up here, and they'll just toss him overboard, forgetting that dolphins are like 400 pounds. <laughs> so Marco instead leans against the railing at the start of morphing and plans to just have them shove him <laughs> over the side before his legs pop out of existence. <laughs> Which is a very funny mental image that you're just taking, like, your friend who's, like, midway between becoming a dolphin and just shoving him off the side of a ship. (laughs) (laughs) Don't eat this, Marco. Uh, Cassie tries to back out thinking it's fucking insane and that he might just pass out from hitting the water and die (laughs) rather than turn into a dolphin in general, but he basically just starts morphing anyway before she can stop him. So they just, again, shove him off the side and then start to jump in after him. 
I mean, uh, it feels like their fun, plans. at least. Jumping off of a ship I, I, into I, the ocean seems is, good. Isn't, isn't like, something... Called... Well, I, I, oh, okay, I'm thinking of, like, if a ship starts sinking, jumping off the side of it is actually really bad because, like, the suction of the ship sinking can drag you in and fuck you up. Yeah. Uh, so now we're on to chapter 16, mm-hmm. uh, which I've called Free... Free falling, uh, and that's because that's how it starts with Cassie falling into the ocean. But then that stops, and not a lot happens in this chapter, other than Cassie morphs. Um, it's awkward because she becomes heavy, like too heavy to to like stay above the water before she's like fully dolphin. So she starts sinking. Um, but she's able to like gulp in uh, a lungful of of. Uh, air and finish the morph underwater and before long once more the um you know the awkwardness of being a human in the middle of the ocean is gone and she's in her element as a dolphin in the ocean once again um and she makes sure that everyone's okay uh one by one they all answer so uh they're they're fine uh, and it's time to, you know, head out and and try and find this thing that they've been they've been looking for. Uh, but before they do, they see a helicopter, like skimming low over the water with a cable uh, out behind it, dragging the water, some kind of sensor. And they determine that yeah, the Yurks are here already, looking for uh, whatever is in the ocean that they're after. Um, and then we move into chapter 17, which I've called air supply. Um, wanna, it's a big issue. Say, huh? I do want to say, like, I'm not an expert, but my understanding is that it's pretty bad to fly helicopters that low, especially over the water. Like, they need the lift from... <laughs> I don't know how, like, much about how helicopters work. I think they can fly pretty much any elevation. Over land, I believe that's true, but over water, I think they have issues with uh, because they have to have the the, the lift from the propeller to push up, and when they're that low, it's difficult for them to bring in enough air, I think. I I kind of assumed that they brought in air from above them and then pushed it down, because that's the only way that 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 works. I don't know. I'll... I guess I'll look that up later, but regardless, <laughs> they're flying over the water pretty close, uh, uh, close enough to drag this cable, and it might be that they, they're, you know, the cable is uh, long or something like that, but... Well, um, okay, yes, so it looks like, mm-hmm. I don't know about how helicopters physically function, but airspeed regulations in the United States say that you are not allowed to fly a helicopter lower than 500 feet outside of a congested area, so... <laughs> well, this isn't a congested area. This is the outside, middle of the ocean. <laughs> outside of a congested area, in a congested area, you have to be 2,000 feet off. <laughs> oh, I see. Also, okay. the, the, Yorks, the Yorks are in control of the authorities, so they can do whatever give the fuck a, they want. give a goddamn yeah. shit about your airspeed regulations. The Yorks are going to get shot down by the FAA. <laughs> They They're probably run the FFA at this point. <laughs> or at least they've infiltrated it. Um, yeah. They're like, no, no, don't worry. That guy had special authorization to fly that low in the helicopter. And I could imagine, like, a helicopter 500 feet up dragging a cable. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
Chapter 17, I've called Air Supply. Um, so, the kids dive down, and uh, Cassie starts echolocating. She's seeing the ocean as, as a dolphin would, um, especially, like, attention is paid to schools of fish, because that's prey, but they're not there to eat, they're there to, to work. Um, eventually they manage to reach the, the ocean floor, and uh, she's detecting things primarily through, through echolocation here. Uh, after a while, and by after a while I mean in the fourth paragraph... Uh, Rachel mentions that they're starting to run out of breath, so, uh, you know, it'd be good to find whatever they're looking for as soon as possible. Dolphins can hold their breath for about 20 minutes, so this this is, like, about 20 minutes of searching, I imagine. Um, and about that time, they manage to see what they're after. Now, at this point, they could go up and then down again, I guess. They could get some air and then, and then come back down. But they decide not to. They decide, like, okay, maybe we can just get some air from whatever that thing is. Which is um, a big ship. What they see is, uh, or at least part of one, what they see is a big transparent dome underneath the water. Yeah. Covering a park, basically. Honestly, I love this. It's such a cool image. <laughs> but the grass is sort of bluish green and there are trees like stems of broccoli and and asparagus like i'm picturing like a big orange trunk with blue tufts of leaves uh at the very top um there there's like a pool in the middle like a a pool of blue water uh, (laughs) a lake it was very small lake uh with like transparent green crystals and shapes like snowflakes that are jutting out of it so it's all very like artistically landscaped and it's nice they've uh they um, found the uh agricultural part of uh rapture here yeah well <laughs> like it's the third we'll, we'll chapter, learn I think, we'll learn Bioshock. we'll learn what it is later but um you know the, the kids are in awe uh Cassie says that she saw flashes of this in her dreams, but that seeing it in real life is is something completely different. Uh, Marco notices a hatch, so they're going to try and go for it because they're running out of air, and they figure that, well, there's air in there, so if we can get in there, (laughs) we can get air. Uh, So they arc down, uh, and they they, they rush toward it. Um, they, They find the hatch, and there's a panel. Uh, that they call a doorknob. It's Jake calls a doorknob. It's not a doorknob. It's a panel. Uh, but they sort of like uh, Jake presses presses the the panel with his nose, and there's a hatch that opens. They go inside. There's a second panel which they press, uh, and then the door closes, and then they're inside of this um, you know little chamber full of water, and then they drown, and the book is over. <laughs> uh, no, that's not what happens. Uh, <laughs> the water starts to drain. Which is great, because then they, you know, get to breathe. Uh, which, they, this whole thing was, like, written very tensely, because, like, mm-hmm. the uh, the whole idea is, oh, are they going to run out of air? Are they going to be able to get there in time? Um, which, again, like, this is why Dolphin was not the best choice. <laughs> yeah, again, they they and, had access to a whale just yeah, well, the other day. They would have trouble with the whale because then yeah. they'd have to demorph to get into the to get into the chamber. I, I guess, yeah. I would think the, the like the perfect morph for this would either be like a shark 
or a tuna, something fast that can actually breathe water and that can travel a long distance. They would also have been able to actually like touch one of those, which I don't think you really have like touch tanks for. I mean, I guess you have touch tanks for like the little like non-dangerous sharks and like those like gray touch things occasionally. They managed to get, they managed to touch like goddamn gorillas and tigers and shit. They could find a way to touch a shark. It's fine. They will <laughs> later. And also like same, same for tuna. Uh, just go to like a stowaway on like a fishing boat or something. And I don't know. Um. Find, you'll find something. It doesn't have to be a tuna. Just something that's fast and can actually breathe water instead of just hold its breath for a long time. Um, so... I mean, would a stingray be actually an option? Because stingrays don't swim very fast. Stingrays aren't very fast. Uh, they're also very much not, like, benthic animals. They're, they're not very much not pelagic animals. They're, they're, um, they're much more, like, they're bottom dwellers. Apparently manta rays. Some... Manta ray might work, but it would be yeah, a lot apparently... harder to acquire a manta ray. Apparently some rays can actually swim up to 30 miles per hour. So faster yeah. than a dolphin. Well, hold on. So cow-nose cow rays... Cow-nose rays, like, travel in schools and not along... When they travel in schools, they're not along the bottom. It, I guess it depends on the ray. <laughs> um, I'm not... I don't know a whole lot about rays specifically. That wasn't really my thing. Let me... Um, yeah throw out this other option real quick turn into something just really heavy like a hippopotamus and just sink to the bottom immediately but, no swimming but hippos necessary are, <laughs> hippos a are not designed to be underwater and b would die from the pressure of the ocean <laughs> well I, I don't know that there's all that much pressure here listen if a dolphin can um, survive it so can a hippo <laughs> But dolphins there's no no because dolphins are designed to swim in the ocean I, and even then they I can't don't, go to the bottom. Do, do, dolphins can't deal with like deep deep depths all that well. Yeah. And I don't think like they can they're they're resistant to the bends. Um but yeah, like, hippo gets the bends. <laughs> well, you don't have to well, worry about you, the bends you, you when get, you're going you down. You get the Yeah, you get the bends when you oh, go I up guess, too quickly. Yeah. Um yeah. dolphins like, I, I also don't think they're very deep. And the reason that I don't think that is because they're still light. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're not, like, in the crushing depths of the, of, like, the, you know, deep, dark ocean. They're just kind of, like, like, there's, there's still light there. So, um. They can see that there's glass. So there's a lot of light here, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And, like, later on they'll mention if you're in the dome ship and you look up, then you can see the surface of the water way far above you. So, like, there's... The surface is still visible. They're not in, like, uh, so deep that they would get crushed. Um, however, the issue with the hippo thing is, yeah, going down, going down is fine. Going up is a problem. Because <laughs> you're gonna need to go up again. Yeah, you're gonna have to get out somehow. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So, they, uh, when, as the, the water drains from the airlock, they start to morph back to human, uh, and once they are, they sort of celebrate that they made it, though they don't necessarily know where to, <laughs> and when they exit the airlock and go into the dome, they don't have a whole lot of time before there's a brilliant flash of light and Cassie goes unconscious. Uh, Rip. Chapter 18 I've called Elfangor did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, so far, uh, that is confirmed, because, like, I still don't know who Zero is, but we know Elfangor, he's dead, um, but he seemingly has done nothing wrong from what we know. I mean, if Elfangor well, did anything wrong, it was picking the wrong people to give this power to, but I don't think uh, oh, we can yeah, blame yeah, him fair. for that. Yeah. No, he yeah. was like, I am, like, minutes away from death, I guess mm-hmm. these are the only people I could possibly find. Yep. Also, they yeah. know aliens exist, so I guess you need to double dip. <laughs> Need to quadruple so when, down on this, I guess. <laughs> uh, so when Cassie opens her eyes, she can see fish swimming overhead uh, above the you know the glass of the dome. And she rolls onto her side. Jake is there unconscious. She's sitting on blue grass. Uh, not like the music style and not like <laughs> the, the human, like the earth variety of bluegrass, but like literal bluegrass. Uh, sorry to interrupt, uh, but Cassie does say when she's looking up and seeing the fish, she can see the barrier between sea and sky. So they really aren't yeah. that deep at all. <laughs> but it was very far away, she says. We don't hear how far away, but... I don't care if she away. says it was far away. If you're underwater and you can see yeah, the surface, no, exactly. you're not that far away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's but, true. I mean, it's still the logistical problems of them getting out to the middle of the ocean, because I don't know how you get in a hippo to the middle of the ocean <laughs> yeah. to be able to sing. Same way they got this. Just, I mean, put them on the boat, and then just... Uh-huh. Depth charges. <laughs> um, so... Never thought I'd hear somebody equate a hippo to a depth charge. <laughs> well, it's also it's also like Cassie. Cassie spent a long a long time navigating as a dolphin, and she said she was unable... She was like, it's difficult to, to work out the... Um, the sort of specifics of the directions that the whale gave her because it was all about like water temperatures and currents and stuff like that and that she really needed to tap into her dolphin mind in order to understand that that's fair so i yeah i don't think that a a hippo would necessarily work well sure Um, but neither would a shark (laughs) okay that's fair (laughs) you could have cassie as dolphin everyone else as tuna (laughs) well then she'd be eating um Tuna are way too big for a dolphin to eat. <laughs> Tuna are like pretty, pretty top tier predators in and of their own, like of their own right. Yeah, they're, um, they're the large shadow category in Animal Crossing. They're big. Yeah. Um, so at least if it was a full, full grown tuna. You know, they do start small. Um, oh yeah. Weirdly, I think tuna yeah, are in the lobster category small. in Disney Dream Life Valley. <laughs> what? Tunas are not tuna are definitely not lobsters. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, so yeah, uh, when she looks up, um, she sees uh, he's he's blue. He's bad. He's the namesake of our podcast. It's Axe for the first time. <laughs> the first time he the, the first thing he does is threaten them. Uh, well, I mean, the first thing he did was knock them out, and then the second thing okay. is threatened. The, fir- the first thing he <laughs> both, says both is a threat. Uh, he says, Actually, I, I stunned you to see what you are, but if you move, I will destroy you. Uh, so he's he's described as basically an Andalite. Uh, you know, you know what Andalites look like. You've been listening to this podcast. It's fine. He's smaller, though. Uh, and he looks almost delicate, except for the, you know, the big tail. You know, the big, the big bladed tail. Um... And uh, he's holding what looks like a Yurk Dracon beam. I can only assume it is not a Dracon beam. I forget what they... I think they call them Shredders. That's what the Andalites use. It sure is. Uh, and and Dracons are, like, based on Shredder technology, oh, okay. but... So, so he's uh, he's a Vanguard in Mass Effect because he's using the Shredder shotgun. <laughs> no. 
Um, I think I, it's not a shotgun. God, am I, am I am I remembering right? I think they sure there is a shotgun in Mass Effect. It, it is. It's, 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 it's not a shotgun. It's a little. It's it's, it's a little like laser phaser pistol. You know, it's yeah. like a oh, I'm thinking sci-fi, of, I'm sci-fi Star Trek laser gun. I'm thinking of shredder rounds, aka shredder ammo. In Mass um, Effect. I don't think the shotgun is the shredder. So <laughs> Marco's like, oh, please tell me that's an actual Andalite, not Visser Three. And then uh, Axe just freaks out. He just yells like, Visser Three, do not speak that name. Uh, and and like puts his his tail blade against Marco like against next to Marco's face, uh, and then Marco's like, "Fine, okay, I won't." <laughs> um, Cassie tries to say like, "We're we're friends." Andalite says, "We don't know you." Uh, <laughs> Cassie says that they've come to help and that they got the distress call. To which Axe is very very confused because that was sent out to other Andalites. There's no way that humans could have, you know, heard that. Uh, but after conversing for a bit, it comes to light that uh, the Animorphs were there when Prince Elfangor died, and they likely could hear it because of the morphing power that they have. And the response that we get from Axe is um, complicated, because, <laughs> well, first first we get, we get the morphing thing later. First we get the reveal that Elfangor is dead, and Axe is devastated by this uh and asks if his brother died well in battle so we learned that elfengor is axe's brother uh jake said yes he you know lashed out with everything he had at the last moment and uh this gives axe some solace uh, I, I have to i have to ask real quick is it are we mm-hmm. supposed to interpret that literally as brothers because you mentioned before no they yes they are they are they like are a... literal they are literal oh, okay. actual brothers as in they have the same parents yes okay because i remember that like prince is actually not like a position of royalty <laughs> and their no and it's just like a title and axe axe says like he was the the greatest he was uh, a great warrior he was one of the greatest warriors his enemies feared him and this is definitely like little brother feelings like yeah. little brother admiration toward an older sibling this is what axe is experiencing yeah. now, okay. with that um, said he does mention that his elder cousins taught him about humans as far as we know they don't actually like Elfangor and Axe don't have cousins. That's just not on the family tree. So I think that's just something they use for other Andalites. Yeah. So brother is a literal uh, brother, but cousin is not a literal cousin. Is what I'm getting at. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's it's weird. It it it, it is. Yeah, Elfangor is Axe's brother. Um, okay. And Jake says that he's lost a brother too. Uh, that that his brother is a controller. Uh, Axe asks if if they are serving the Yurks or fighting them, and they say they fight them. When they reveal how, um, Axe seems disturbed because, generally speaking, uh, <laughs> like Elfengor gave you that, it's never done. Uh, so we learned that giving the morphing technology out is generally not something that Andalites do. Uh, uh, it does it's, offer like yeah. the situation would have to be very bad for him to do that. So I guess it has yeah. happened, but he makes it seem like this is a uh oh no 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 never sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so they've revealed they revealed to to Axe that you know they're trying to um, fight the Irks as best as they can, but the reason they're here is to rescue him. Uh, so he he gets a lot more friendly to them after this revelation. He lets them rest for a bit uh, in the the dome ship. 
Um, he explained that this is actually a part of the ship. It's kind of like in Star Trek where they separate the saucer section. <laughs> uh, this this is the living quarters. This is the saucer section. And all of the uh, other like engines and, and the war bridge um, are in another part of the ship that sort of attaches to this one in sort of an umbrella type situation. Um I and had it, a funny mental image that as soon as they started getting attacked by the Yurks, they just decided to be like, we need the actual part of the ship that can fight to be more maneuverable, so I guess fuck this part and just vents it out in space. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, meanwhile, that's... meanwhile, they like didn't check to make sure nobody was in their exit, just like, fuck! Presum- <laughs> presumably, well, it, the reason that Axe was in the dome ship is because, and this is what was revealed next, he's too young for battle by the laws of his people. So that's something he has in common with the Animorphs, is that he is a child. Yeah, um, he's a teenager. Yeah, they made him go into the dome and then yeah. dropped him off deliberately. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, I think they figured that they were going to reattach the dome ship. The Earth could probably go after, you know, the thing with all the weapons and shit and not the dome ship with one Andalite in it. Uh, so. And and then, oops, they got blown up and it's like, well. <laughs> um, Axe lives underwater now. <laughs> I mean, what what Axe says is, when the blade ship appeared unexpectedly, they caught us off guard. I saw the main section burn. Dracon beams damaged the orbital stabilization of this dome, and it fell. Um, so, like the the dome was damaged, and it it fell from orbit. The fact that it was able to uh, not just completely disintegrate is impressive, uh, considering it <laughs> yeah, had no or, manu- n- had no thrust or they, anything like that, <laughs> and that they didn't like br- you know, like shoot any part of the gl- like the whatever glass dome that would actually just stop it from mm-hmm. just flooding immediately and kill Hex. Yeah, <laughs> we also get we also get finally I risked sending out a mirror wave call. It works by, and then he stops and says, "I'm not supposed to explain Andalite technology. My brother with my, like- my brother will he'll uh, have been very angry with me." So we learned that uh, Andalites are kind of stingy with their tech. They don't like giving it out. Uh, so, um, we learned that, you know, Axe, not even a full warrior, uh, was the only survivor of the Andalite, uh, sort of the, the, uh, the Andalite mission here. Um, and he's impressed, though, by the fact the Animorphs have been fighting. Uh, and when he asks who is... Leading. Well, at first he introduced himself as Aximili Esperalth Isthil, um, and then of course, because the kids are all racist, they just, they, they, they refuse to learn how to pronounce his real name. They yeah, just call him Axe. Yeah, I had, a, I had a big problem with that. They don't even ask him if it's alright to call him They don't Axe. even try. They just they say, just yeah. They just decide, like, okay, uh, well, fuck that, I'm not gonna learn that name mm-hmm. pronunciation, you're Axe it's now. It's your weird, it's your like, weird alien fucking, foreign name. Fucking ask him if it's alright yeah. to call him Axe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's not even um, anything in between it. It's just he introduces himself, and then the next thing Marco says is X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, well, next, Axe, is gonna, Axe asks, who's your prince? Uh, and everyone, like, looks at Jake. Uh, Jake doesn't want to be called a prince. He says, I'm not anyone's prince. But nonetheless... Axe does a thing that he will continue to do for pretty much the entire like the entire series um, and 
swears his fealty to Prince Jake until he can return to his cousins. Also, I feel like Cassie has like two reasons to actually, yes, call Prince, uh, Jake her prince because mm-hmm. A, she clearly has hot him, and B, she lets him make all decisions and doesn't like when she has to. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not that Cass- like Cassie isn't really the one who, like, is it just one by one they all look at him. Like, I don't know if someone's going to be a prince, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess we'll I defer guess to the most white bread dude in our group. <laughs> yeah, just gener- the generic kid. Yeah. Um, and that's that's chapter eighteen. So that's the end of my chapter. Yeah, that's where we're gonna leave off, and we're gonna pick up with uh, them getting out of here with our new animorph. Although I don't think he's really an animorph yet. <laughs> Uh, to the best of my knowledge, at this point, he has not animorphed, and therefore... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also, like, for, for a while, Axe is going to be mainly interested in getting home. Um, not necessarily being a part of the group, yeah. because he is a definite fish out of water. Uh, yeah, it's a little hard to have him, like... It's a little hard for him to accompany them on just, like, everyday stuff, I think, because people will oh. be like, oh, that's the blue centaur person. There will be, like, scenes later in the series where that they will attempt that, and it's 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 some of the funniest parts of the books. <laughs> I'm now imagining the Ninja Turtles movie where Raph is in just, like, the trench coat and hat while still clearly looking like a big turtle man, and nobody <laughs> questions him when he goes to the movie theater. Well, I mean, Axe can morph, so... Yeah, don't worry about it. It's not like... It's not like they're going to have problems with that. Uh, uh, at least not many. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... Uh, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, that's the... Uh, that's the end of my chapters, I mean, yeah. and that's the end of our, our chapters for the, the pod for this episode. Even though Axe is also a teenager, he's still probably the most sensible of these kids because he shoots first and asks questions later, at the least. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we don't like, know you, how he knocks them out. <laughs> I could pick many different. I could de- I could pick di- many different um, adjectives with which to describe Axe. Sensible. I don't think would be one of them. That's, that's pretty <laughs> okay, low on the well, list, yes. To be to yeah. be fair, I've seen Axe for all of one chapter. <laughs> yeah. That's just my initial interpretation of Axe from uh, literally like two and a half pages. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most uh, sensible out of all of them is weirdly Marco. Well, yeah, I mean, he's the only one who thinks I mean, through yeah, consequences. Can... Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And also, I mean, like, I remember, like, you know, early on, I was like, Marco sucks. And meanwhile, it's like, we actually are starting to see more of Marco actually being insightful and thoughtful, which mm-hmm. just makes me more interested for the next book when we actually have it from his point of view. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. I, I like I like Marco's books a lot yeah. because we get a, we get a side of his character we don't normally see when he's not narrating. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're uh, we have, you know, I think we're going to be finishing up this book next episode. Uh, and then we'll move on to the to, yeah, to, there, to Marco's like, first book. There's like five or six chapters left. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, we are going to get uh, the end of the message. Is there anything else that we need to cover before we wrap this up? Uh, not that I. Th- I mean, we could talk a little bit about. I think this is the probably the biggest dose of that sort of animal mysticism kind of thing that we're ever going to get in yeah, the series. It is, and I, I mentioned before. I actually like it. I like this here and i mean a lot of the times with like how like, we don't we don't know what it's like to be yeah. a dolphin or a whale we we don't 
the the ways in which they communicate we we know we know that they have a wide degree of you know ways that they communicate they they can share skills with each other um they can teach each other things uh we don't know how advanced their their quote unquote language is yeah um it's it's she's what she's doing she's playing in you know the unknown spaces about like what we don't know about how animals live um <laughs> and i think that's a really fun place for a science fiction writer to play absolutely um i i you know reading this it's it's almost it's honestly not as far-fetched as you would as one might think like it, it's certainly not plausible that uh marine mammals have like interspecies communication to this degree there would be no <laughs> evidence of it um but you really can't say no that's impossible that's yeah. not a thing that can, that happens ever uh or it's never a thing that could happen um the the, the fact is that we like it, it it and it has a certain level of um there is a certain level of strange plausibility to it that, for as far fetched as it is, is interesting. Uh, I I don't think that we ever, like there are ever all that much interactions between different marine mammals besides, um, you know, competing over resources. But uh, marine mammals really were not my thing in college. So <laughs> I never took the marine mammal class. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, it's very. Um... I don't know how to put this exactly, but at some point, the whole acquire an animal, turn into the animal, do the mission thing becomes very sort of perfunctory. Like, the animals become Mm -hmm. more tools than anything for a lot of the series. So I really enjoy this different way of experiencing, exploring Mm -hmm. being the animal, because it's just not a thing we're going to get a ton of. And... I think we get that mostly in Cassie books because oh, Cassie's yeah. the one who's most interested in the animals as something other yeah, than a means like, to an end. She, she was the uh, one who was concerned about like, am I basically like clo- like taking over this sentient creature's body <laughs> because it's a dolphin and has more intelligence and, than anything we've actually more so far. And we're gonna touch on that I think in the later chapters in this book a little bit more. Oh yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about that more when we get to them. But Cassie's motivations change a lot in this book. In the next few chapters. Um, like, in the same way that Rachel got her, oh shit, this is why I need to fight moment in book two, Cassie's gonna get hers very soon. Yeah, it's literally uh, the next page of the book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's, it, that kind of thing can really only happen in a Cassie book, because Cassie's the one who's most in tune with, uh, I guess the natural world that they draw their powers yeah. from, uh, other the others they they kind of see the morphs as uh you know tools or weapons and cassie sees them as like almost almost like spiritual guardians yeah. in a way like i know listen applegate is a white lady from america i get it i would be really interested yeah. in a more animistic interpretation of what's going on here well that's that's the thing is that i'm an animist <laughs> But I'm not a, like a culturally appropriative animist right. because every culture, every single one, has at some point in its past practiced animism. 
It's 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 not something that's confined to one culture over another. If you're gonna like be talking about spirit animals or whatever, that's and you don't know what you're doing, and you don't have like permission to do that from someone who to whom that is important in their culture, that's bad. But just like giving agency to things and understanding them as something that has its own kind of um I don't know, it's its own kind of uh, interactive presence in your life, uh, that's not necessarily something that is is owned by any one culture or unique to any one culture. That's something that that lots of cultures, most cultures throughout history, at some point in their history, have 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 leaned into. Right. Um, that's certainly fair. I, I mean, guess I'm thinking more of a yeah. specific variety, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, I see. But I mean, like. Uh, you 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 get you get that with with um i don't know it's it she she sees she sees it more like to to put it in less mystical language she appreciates the animal more for its role in helping them do what they're doing i guess yeah do you know what i mean yeah, compared to how the other ones are just like, oh, we need to get more powerful Let's animals. Fire gorilla turn into gorilla punch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rip, rip the space bug in half. Rah. Because <laughs> big strong gorilla man. Cassie, <laughs> Cassie is doing this um, in part to help the creatures that she is drawing power from. I think that that sort of different. Uh, that different perspective really opens her books up to more exploration of like well what does it mean to be doing this yeah. and what does it mean to to actually become an animal to adopt its instincts and whatnot um yeah the with with dolphins and whales i think the other issue is that dolphins and whales are pretty intelligent animals mm -hmm. uh like you know it, in in not just in the book but in real life, so you have to give the like that that opens up a lot of ground for for exploration too. What form does that intelligence take? How does it how does it you know shape itself? How do they communicate with each other? What is that communication like? That's the space she's playing in here, and <laughs> I think she does a good job of it. Absolutely. Um, do we have any other closing remarks, or shall we move into our wrap up segment? <laughs> I think that's pretty much all, yeah. All right. Uh, well, in this book, we have had two thermals so far, which mm -hmm. last week we didn't have any, which was super weird for me, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a book that takes place mostly underwater, and I think in those we're not going to get as many thermals. Yeah. But I know. It's just, after the first few, it's really weird to not have any. The, but... the more they morph birds, the more they're going to say thermal. <laughs> yeah, we are currently at a series count of 27. It's just two for this book so far. Um, yeah. And then we have to talk about, uh, does Cassie get a point on the kill count for ramming that shark and getting him uh, feeding frenzy? I think frenzied? she gets, she gets the assist. She gets the point five, I think, because she sets I don't, up the shark to be killed. Do we want to count non-sentient animals? That's a good question, yes. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess there is also that, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like... Like, we didn't... We did, oh, wait, now I'm forgetting. Are we, we count, are we when, counting... Are we counting kills, or are we counting murders? <laughs> did, did we count when Tobias caught and ate the rat? Uh, no, we did no. not. No. Okay, we we can't, we because can't. every, and then every we can time... Count the shark, then. 
Yeah, every time Tobias kills for food, we'd have to give Tobias a a, a point. I mean, yeah, like, well, Tobi- Tobias would be like technically accumulating points every fucking day at that <laughs> if we went based on that, even if we don't see it on screen. Yeah. So I don't think we can count non-sentience. Listen, there are two people on this list who are just gonna utterly dominate the entire list. If we give Tobias a point for every rat he kills, he has a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe we should go ahead and give I, I say that no bias just pre- because we maybe have maybe to... we keep that as a separate counter just to see just to see how much higher his uh like non sentient kills over sentient kills would be. <laughs> I I'd, I'd say we have to we have to go back like we'd have to go back and count those so I don't I don't okay. want to do that yeah um, fair enough I mean he's still doing pretty well for himself as a bird just because he picked up a fucking disintegration <laughs> and he fucked up an entire ship on his own yeah. Um... Well, in that case, yeah. the count doesn't move. Visser 3 is still winning. Jake is still losing. Which is still amusing that the Ergoods team leader well, is the one with the lowest kill count. Well, he had the first book, so they couldn't do anything too intense, sorry. <laughs> I guess. I mean, aside from the fact that they all definitely did murder in that, in that book. I don't think he's going to get many in his second book, because he's not really in a position where he... Yeah, no, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Mm. Which um, again just just increases my theory of what happened to book six, if you're saying that. Uh, <laughs> I think there is a is kill so in book six that we could arguably divide amongst the entire team, but I don't want to do point twos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we could, oh, no, we could it, would, it would be it would be like po- it would be like point eighteens or something like that, because if you're if you're including Axe in there, <laughs> it's thirty six, right? Yeah, but we can't include Jake in that. Uh, okay. Again, <laughs> um, make, but... Making me really assured in my theory. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess I will just say, I'm assuming Jake gets yurked in book six. <laughs> I will not say... I I, I, I am going to yeah, refrain yeah, no, from yeah, commenting. Yeah. We'll, we will get there in June, <laughs> and I will have my theory confirmed or denied. <laughs> it's it's this. Yeah. This is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess spoilers for the uh, Owl House finale. Oh, for, yeah, uh, sorry. I finished it. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that. I didn't even think about it before posting. No, yeah. It's fine. Uh, I mean, to Um, be fair, it's been like three weeks since the episode aired, so I feel like most of us who have actually watched it don't really keep spoilers around at this point. Well, I mean, it's fine, because I finished the goddamn series. I would have been angry about that if I hadn't finished it, but I have finished the series. (laughs) What'd you think? I thought it was amazing. I loved it a lot. Yeah, and I want to read the really. comics now. And I'm, I, it's, it's incredibly tragic. Like every single fucking montage in season three could have been an entire episode of its own, and I'm pissed that it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we could have had an entire epilogue episode of that, like five minutes. <laughs> that could have been just an entire yep. like forty minutes on its own. Yeah, and I wanted to see. I wanted to see, because like. I the character that I found vibe myself. I guess, I guess we should probably was... add. I guess we should probably yeah. add spoilers okay. for yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Let's do our let's do our call out. Uh... uh, yeah. Um, we don't do plugs at the end of this show, but this is a Patreon episode right now. So thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, we really appreciate you being here, and you know we'll be right back for more wacky animal hijinks next week. Uh, until next time, remember, Zero did nothing wrong. <laughs> Zero, like Elfangor, did nothing wrong. I will have to assume that you are correct that they both have done nothing wrong. <laughs> because I still don't know. Hey, y'all, can we rename this show Wacky Animal Hijinks? <laughs> I feel like that's too vague. I think Ice Files is fine.